I'd like you to rewind 15 years and to take yourself to a Sex and the City speed dating party in a London bar. It is noisy and sweaty, and I find myself sitting opposite a nice, slightly awkward young doctor. He asks me what I do for a living, and I tell him that I'm an underwater documentary maker. He is intrigued, as am I, because this is not true. I am not an underwater documentary maker. The bell rings, and I move on. Next time, I'm a PhD candidate. Then I'm a journalist. And finally, before I have time to elect myself into government, the bell rings and it's all over. So compulsive lying isn't normally how I roll. And once the tequila hangover had worn off and I've had over 15 years um, time to reflect, I realized that my speed dating dishonesty um, was a mixture of shame and utility. So sitting opposite a stranger with five minutes on the clock, it felt easier to lie than to tell the truth about what I really did. Not because my occupation was scandalous, but because it was plural. I did and do many different things, and it often takes me more than five minutes to explain. So whilst I never lied that blatantly again, over the next 10 years, I'd often find myself only telling part of the truth. So when I was advising a foreign government on its environment policy, I wouldn't tell them that I was also writing a screenplay in Afghanistan. Or when I was working with campaigning organizations on strategy, I wouldn't tell them that I was writing articles about Pakistani TV. And while pitching ideas to magazine editors, I definitely wouldn't tell them that I was setting up something called an innovation lab. Like, are you confused? Because imagine how I felt. I thought that I had to hide the diversity of my skills or risk being called a dilettante. I thought that expertise was something that was only achieved through exclusivity. And I don't think that today. That's why I'm standing here in front of you all. Um, it's because I believe in the genius of generalists and the power of being plural. Um, and I don't want the plural people here to um, apologize for your diversity or to hide your skills in the name of focus. I don't want you to literally belittle yourself, to make yourself smaller. Um, because one of the things that I've discovered is that developing diverse skills can amplify your impact in the world, not diminish it. Um, and when I first started talking about this five or six years ago, I was like a voice in the wilderness. I didn't see anyone else talking about being plural um, and basically just felt like I was a massive dysfunctional weirdo. Um, and thankfully, that is now changing. So we are seeing people talk about the multi-hyphen life or the modular career. And I think we are both being pushed and pulled that way. So we are being pulled towards being plural by a desire to be more fulfilled and be able to be our many selves. But we are being pushed there by an uncertain economy that is going to require us to be much more adaptable and diverse as we move forward. So let's get definitional. 
Um, to be a polymath, you do not have to be Leonardo da Vinci incarnate. You do not have to be a Nobel Prize winning physicist by day, uh, write Booker winning novels by night, and run a two hour marathon on the weekend. Um, the word comes from the Greek, um, poly for many and manthian for learnings. So it literally means many learnings. You simply have to be skilled in diverse areas. And for a really long time, from like ancient Greece to Rome to China to Renaissance Italy, the polymath was highly valued. And it was only with the advent of industrialization that we began to understand expertise as being about the narrowing of knowledge rather than the broadening of it. So like, the specialization of the division of labor didn't only apply to Henry Ford and his car manufacturing lines. It also applied to our intellectual labor. And, and I don't deny that gave us some of the great inventions of the 20th century, from contraception to computers. Um, but did that come at a cost? Is what Aldous Huxley called the celibacy of the intellect part of the price that we had to pay for that progress? Because today, we specialize, and we specialize young, and that means we grow up with a very partial and fragmented view of the world. And the 20th century specialist way of viewing the world is starting to create a lot of problems that we are having to deal with today. So I think we're being pushed and pulled. We're being... Um, pulled by the kinds of problems that we face today. So take something like climate change, a problem that is so complex whose solutions are technical, scientific, political, economic. There is no one social entrepreneur who is going to come in and save the day. There is no one app that is going to save us from climate change. Um, instead, we have to start to work more systemically. We have to collaborate across sectors. And that's where being plural comes in really handy. Because if you're someone who does many things, you live in many different worlds, you speak many different professional languages, and you can act as a bridge between sectors. But it's not only that we need to collaborate our way out of the mess that we're in, we obviously also need to innovate our way out of the mess that we're in. And again, that's where being plural can really help, because plural people are perfectly placed to innovate through cross-fertilization. So um, the author, Stephen Johnson, um, agrees that most innovation happens through bricolage rather than breakthroughs. So you are building on what has happened before. So when Charles Babbage um, was developing the antecedent of the computer, he borrowed the technology of the silk loom. Similarly, when Gutenberg was developing the printing press, he borrowed the technology of the wine press, which is what you see here. And so if you are plural, you are perfectly placed to make these innovative connections between different bodies of knowledge within yourself. 
But regardless, let's just forget saving the world for a moment and think about saving ourselves. Um, we are being pushed, kicking and screaming, into an era where we are going to have to be plural, whether we like it or not. Um, I heard a crazy fact uh, the other week, which was that two-thirds of children in US elementary schools are going to be going into careers that do not yet exist. So the world of work is going to change so much in our lifetimes that we are going to have to learn the craft of the polymath. And so that is what I'm going to spend the rest of my time here talking to you about, um, the ABC of being plural. So A is for always be learning. So um, I used to think that learning was a sign of immaturity and that one day I would grow up and I would know with a capital K um, and then I could stop learning and start teaching and I would be welcome to the realms of adulthood. I don't think that today. In fact, I think the opposite, that constant learning is a sign of wisdom. Um, and I have a living, breathing embodiment of that in my family. So I'd like to um, introduce you all to my grandma, Edith. Um, this photo was taken on Sunday when she celebrated her 100th birthday. And this week um, is a week of celebrations. And so I wanted to bring her into this room, um, but not just because she's hit 100, but also because she embodies this principle of constant learning. So this is a woman who, at the age of 75, co-authored her first book, which became a bestseller, at 75. Um, a woman who, at 85, having been told her whole life she couldn't sing, joined a choir and ended up singing in front of audiences like this. And who, at 92, learned how to use an iPad so that she could Skype her sister in New York. So constant learning is a sign of wisdom, but it also is probably going to help us live longer, too. But it's very easy for someone like me to stand on a stage and be like, yeah, we've got to keep learning. And we kind of know that. And, and one of the things is it's actually really hard to keep learning as you get older. Because when you learn something, you are by definition clumsy. You are not very good at first. And as we get older, we kind of think that we should be good at everything that we do. And so now, when I learn something new, I literally sit myself down and I say to myself, you are going to feel insecure, inadequate. You're going to feel really terrible about yourself at moments in this early stage. It does not mean you should give up. And I think we need to find the beauty in clumsiness. So, you know, we see the beauty in clumsiness when it is a baby fawn. Uh, trying to walk. You know, we, it's cute. Um, but when we are less fawn-like, as, as we get older, we need to keep finding the beauty of that clumsiness because it is an essential staging post on the path to mastery. You cannot be a master of something without looking like Bambi on the ice first. So B is for balance, and specifically the balance between confidence and humility. So if you're a plural person, there is always going to be someone who knows more than you about any given topic. In fact, there are gonna, there's going to be a lot of people that know a lot more than you about any given topic. And basically, that just means you have to be a massive nerd. Like, there is no way of getting about it. You have to do the graft. You have to put the work in as you dive into new fields. 
Um, so like, take this. Um, so I am an introvert. Uh, being on stage is not my happy place. Um, and when I started doing public speaking, the first thing I did was a TEDx. And I, I was just like a massive nerd about the whole thing. I bought a book called How to Give the Perfect TED Talk. I watched a video called Reverse Engineering the Perfect TED Talk. And apparently, you've got to say the words um, coffee, mind, and happiness, which I have now done. Um, and and wear blue clothes, which I haven't. Um, but this nerdiness is not a nerdiness that is born of insecurity, because you have to also be very confident that you have just as much right to use this knowledge as any specialist or as any expert. You have to know that when you use this knowledge and combine it with other bodies of knowledge, you are going to be creating value. And this is something that's really alive for me at the moment, because in the last year, I have been funded to bring together two very different bodies of my work. So part of my work is working as a screenwriter for film and TV, and then I also set up different systems innovation organizations. And I've been funded to bring together this work on narrative and, and systems change. And so I was writing this massive foundational article and, and you know, interviewing all these experts and pulling all their ideas together. And, and I, kept, I, mean, I so nearly did not publish that article because the whole time I was so worried about what those experts were going to think of me using their knowledge. I was so worried that they were going to be angry with me for taking their knowledge and putting it into another context. And, like, and I cannot tell you how close I came to not publishing. Um, and yet, I'm really glad that I did, because the article was published in the Stanford Social Innovation Review a few months ago. And since then, like, it's been in the New York Times. I've heard from journalists in Africa, from campaigners in India and the US. And, and people find the article really helpful. And I'm not telling you this to kind of like big myself up or brag, but just to show like I nearly did not publish that because I was so worried about what experts would think of me taking their insights. And, and almost everyone I cite is really glad that their ideas now have a new audience. So please like have confidence in the value that comes when you recombine knowledge from different areas. Um, so C is for seeing like a goat. Um, goats have um, amazing peripheral vision, almost 360 degrees. Um, so my invitation to you is to look at what is on the edge of your work. Look to the horizon, uh, what do you see? Who is working on the same question as you from other disciplines? Um, go to random conferences, read articles that you only understand half of. And I, I find that there are two emotions that really help me here. One is curiosity and one is rage. So, so indulge your curiosity from time to time. Like, go on a date with it. I think we're, as we grow up, we don't let ourselves be curious anymore. And yet, if you want to start developing uh, new skills around areas you are passionate about, like, give your curiosity a bit of space. But also, give your rage a bit of space, more controversially. Um, because for me, I find rage an incredibly helpful barometer. Um, it tells me what I care about. 
The things I'm angry about are the things that I am passionate about. They are the things that I will take huge risks for. And I'm not saying you dwell in the rage um, and you stay angry, but the rage becomes a signing post to the things you care about most in the world. And finally, like, don't wait until you're ready. So there are, a few, there are many different ways of being plural. Like for some of you, you will um, do a 101 course, go to college, develop new skills, and put them into practice in a linear way. For others, like me, you find things you are so passionate about, you cannot help but throw your hat over the fence and start a project knowing that you do not have the skills to finish it, but having confidence that you will either learn on, along the way or that you will be a bit like Professor Xavier from the X-Men and you will find the superheroes who will help you on your journey. Um, I'm running out of time, so I'm not going to talk about the She Votes campaign, which we did last year, which embodies all of these principles. It was a campaign that we did in two weeks around the snap election in the UK, um, doing things that none of us had ever done before, and we ended up with virtually no budget reaching 20 million people in, in just under two weeks. And it embodies all of these principles, particularly don't wait until you're ready. Um, so. I've been talking about how, given the challenges we face, we have to collaborate so that we are more than the sum of our parts. But we also, like each of us as individuals, have to make sure that we are truly the sum of our parts. And so to all of you who are plural here today, like I ask you to don't, like, don't hide your skills in a quest for credibility. And don't cull your passions in the name of focus. Like, so what if you can't explain to a doctor at a speed date what it is that you do in five minutes? So what if you can't reduce your glorious humanity down to a couple of words? And I want to end by paraphrasing Walt Whitman. You are vast, you contain multitudes. Now, I hope you will let them live. Thank you. Thanks. <laughs>